Word for today, a ministry of Living Word Lutheran Church in Egan, Minnesota. It is our prayer that the message from God's Holy Word would bring a new and deeper love for Jesus in your life. Welcome to Living Word Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Nathan Olson. It's a blessing and a joy to be with you today and sharing God's Word with you. Here at our church, we believe that every single time that we open up the Bible, that something miraculous takes place. You see, this is not like any other ordinary book you'd find on your shelf, but we believe that this is the inerrant, inspired Word of God, true from cover to cover. And because of those convictions, we come with an expectancy today, an expectancy to see how God's Word would come and convict us of sin, point us to our Savior, Jesus Christ, and then teach us what it means to follow after Him. It's our prayer that as you hear God's word today, that these things would also happen in your life as well. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we commit this time to you. We ask, Lord, that you would come and, and use your word as you promised to do, that you would speak to the hearts of those listening, that you would transform their lives by the power of your word. We commit this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. I have a question for you as we come to the word of God today. And that question is, why aren't all people saved? Why aren't all people saved? Doesn't God desire that for them? If so, why doesn't it happen? Why don't they come to faith? This is uh, more of a common question, I think, that a lot of people actually wrestle with. A number of us know people that we have prayed over, who we have held out the word of God to, who we have pleaded with for their salvation. Uh, maybe a number of people who at one time were walking with the Lord, but who aren't now. Why aren't all people saved? Now, the word of God goes forth. How come it doesn't affect everyone in the same way? Today, as we continue in the Gospel of Luke, we're doing that as a series right now at Living Word, we get to Luke chapter 8 into the parable of the sower. In many third world countries, people still farm this way where you literally just have a bag of seed and you till the ground and then you just throw the seed out. You just scatter the seed. And that's becoming a little bit more of a foreign concept for us today. When we think about planting seed, we think of you know tractors on a farm with planters and each seed in its place and a methodical line. But that, that's not the way that for many, many, many centuries people planted. A lot of times the land was tilled and then a sower would go out and they would scatter the seed. They'd throw it out in the tilled ground and, and wait for it to grow. Uh, the thing about that method is that it's not as precise, right? You're just taking handfuls of seed and just throwing it out. And it, it's definitely more costly because you're not... Um, maybe very intricately caring about each seed in a certain spot. No, you're throwing it out extravagantly. You're tossing that seed out, and maybe even in some places where that seed's not going to grow, but it's being scattered everywhere. It's going out to grow on the land. Now, some of you may have heard this parable, the parable of the sower, but as you as you look with me at these verses here, Luke chapter 8, starting at verse 4, I would encourage you to, to bend in a little bit for a closer look. Um, sometimes the things that we think that we're very familiar with, sometimes there are little small details or things that we miss or overlook. And I just invite you to, to come in for a closer look now as we jump into this parable. Starting there at verse 4. 
Jesus said to them in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it out. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And there you have the parable. What do you notice? What stands out to you as you heard that parable iterated for you? What kind of things do you notice about the parable? Well, it's pretty straightforward, right? You have a farmer who goes out and he's sowing his seed. And the first thing I'd have you notice about this in the parable is that he's sowing it extravagantly. He, he's throwing it everywhere. Everywhere it gets the seed. He's throwing it on the path. He's throwing it on all kinds of soil, rocky soil, soil with thorns, good soil. Doesn't matter. He's throwing out the seed extravagantly. And, and then secondly, as we see that that seed falls in a variety of places, right? All kinds of soil. It's getting into a variety of different parts of landscape. But then it only grows well in one place. There's only one of the different soil types that it really meshes with and grows, even though it's gone out all of these different places. And we see then kind of four different pictures of the soil. The, the path that's trodden down and the, the rocky uh, soil that's hard for moisture and the thorns that come and choke out the seed and then the good soil. And so Jesus is telling this to not only his disciples, but all of those who are listening there. And in verse 9, his disciples come up to him afterwards and are like, okay, Jesus, we heard the parable. We know the different things that happen, but what does it mean? Well, we're not quite sure how this relates to spiritual things. Now for us, we already, we're familiar with this parable. We know how it ends. But if you just heard that first part, Maybe you would be in the same situation as the, as the disciples. Like, okay, Jesus, I, I hear the parable. Here's the story. Now, what does this mean? How does this translate to a spiritual truth? Verse 10, Jesus said to them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. What Jesus is articulating for the disciples here is that some people, like the disciples, were looking to live by faith in the kingdom of God and learn more. The disciples are, are hearing this parable, but they're coming to Jesus wanting to know about what it means. But for other people, they're not really interested in that. They're just looking for a free meal. Maybe Jesus will feed the 5,000 again. Or they're just looking for a miracle vending Jesus machine that is going to maybe heal them of a sickness or heal their friend from a disease. But they're not super interested about the kingdom of God. They're not super interested about what Jesus is really there for other than what they can get out of it. And so Jesus acknowledges that for his disciples, there's something greater for them than just a free meal or a healing. They're learning about the kingdom of God. They're living with faith. They are evidence of this good soil, right? And so in verse 11, he explains the parable to them. He tells them what this means. Starting there in verse 11, he says, The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard, but then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. The ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. 
But these have no root. They believe for a while, and in the time of testing, they fall away. And as for that which fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. And there's your explanation. So you have the parable, you have the disciples' inquiry about the parable, and then Jesus' explanation. Well, what do you notice about it now? Now that Jesus has explained it and given some context for the disciples of what's happening here, what do you notice about the explanation? Well, we see, again, that the farmer, he's sowing the seed. And he's sowing it for everyone. All of the different types of soil is representative of different types of people. And so you have the farmer, he's, he's going out and he's sowing the seed extravagantly. And it's for everyone. All these different people, no matter their background, no matter what they're going to do with it, he's throwing it out everywhere. And we see that several different people receive it. right? They, they take it and, it and it starts growing in their lives. But we see that narrow is the road to salvation. Even though all of these peoples have had the word of God, the seed, go to them, that not everybody has it grow to fruition. Not everybody ends up living a life of faith. And each of these different types of soil, then, is um, reflective of a different reception of the word of God, the path, the rocky soil, the thorns, and the good soil. And I want to take some time uh, together to just think about each of those and then to think about maybe how those are seen in our lives or maybe reflected around us. So starting with verse 11, thinking about Jesus' explanation, he says very simply right away that the seed is the word of God. Now, so all of these parables that Jesus tells throughout the Gospels, they are stories, there are physical stories about everyday life with spiritual significance. So they're, they're representative of a greater spiritual reality. They're representative of the kingdom of God. And so the seed is representative of the word of God as it goes forth, as it's spoken, as it's planted into the hearts of people. And that seed we see here, it goes everywhere. Every, everywhere that the farmer goes, he's sowing the seed. And he's so, his intent is for growth everywhere. I mean, he's the most optimistic farmer you could have. He's, he's sowing it even on rocky soil. He's sowing it on thorny soil. He's sowing it even on the path. There's nothing that's going to grow on the path. But he's sowing it there anyway. He's the most optimistic farmer that you could have. And as you think about how this parable is reflective of the kingdom of God, our God, friends, is one who sows his word and the promise of salvation to the hearts of all people. His desire, it says in 1 Timothy 2.4, is that for all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. The heart of God that you see in this parable is one of love and one of optimism for all people to know him. He, he takes the word of God and he gives it lavishly to everybody. There's no restrictions to where the farmer sows the seed. He's throwing it everywhere. He's scattering it on the path, on the rocky soil, on the thorny soil, 
and on the good soil. He's giving it everywhere. And as someone who's married into a farm family, the, the farmer knows the soils, right? He, the farmer knows where the path is. He knows that that's you know, a path and that that soil is compacted. And he knows that there is certain soil that's going to be good soil. But this farmer, he is throwing it everywhere. He, he's wanting the promise of the word of God to go to all people. He, he's hopeful that there's going to be growth. He is optimistic of what's going to be happening as the word is going forth. And we see then with the first encounter of the soil, verse 12, that the ones along the path are the ones who have heard, but then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. When you look back at um, the first part of the parable that's given, the one that was uh, falling along the path was trampled underfoot and the birds of the air devoured it. And that's representative of what the devil is coming and doing here. He's coming and taking away the word from our hearts. And when you think about how that's reflective of the reality that we see around us, friends, the, the truth of the matter is that we are in a spiritual battle. There is an enemy of your soul and one who does not want the word of God to be planted in the hearts of people. He, who, who does not desire for people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And is expressly antagonistic to the things of God and his working in the world. We see that Satan is the great deceiver and his goal and ambition has always been to undermine the word and promise of God. Even from the very beginning. Do you remember the, the first four words that, that Satan says to Eve in the garden? Did God really say? Did God really say that if you eat from this tree, you won't die? Surely you won't die. No, you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Satan, from the very beginning, has always been one to challenge the authority of the word of God, to undermine it, to snatch it away. And we see that reflective in the parable here. We are in a spiritual battle for our souls. And the devil would have no greater joy than to tempt and lead astray those in the world and even those in our midst from hearing the word of God and letting it do a work in our lives and instead leading us away to follow after our own vices, our own sinful nature, the ways of this world, to be trampled underfoot by the ways of men. Such is the case for some who have had the word of God sown to them. And maybe you've seen them. Maybe you've seen people who have heard the word of God. It's been presented and the devil comes and leads them astray. He tempts them with the things of this world. He causes them to doubt and question the word of God. And, and the intention of God for his word to go forth to those people is undermined and cut out by the temptations of their souls. We're in a spiritual battle. The farmer still sows the seed. But for some, it's snatched away. The second group we see in this parable, in verse 13, is those who are on rocky soil. When they hear the word, they receive it with joy, but these have no root. And so they believe for a while, but in time of testing, they fall away. And it's one of the the things that 
uh, causes me as a pastor to look at those in the church with great fear sometimes. Uh, my prayer for you is that you would hold fast to the confession that you have. Uh, I am not so ignorant or naive to believe that there aren't some, maybe even in this own church, that would hear God's word and believe for a little while, but then fall away from their faith. The times get hard, the pressures of life are, are there, and sometimes, friends, following Jesus is not easy. Sometimes there are those, even in the church, who didn't sign up for that. They want following God to be an easy thing. A bed of roses, a, a, a good, prosperous life. But that's not what Jesus promises. Jesus doesn't promise an easy life. In fact, he promises just the opposite. He says, in this world, you're going to have troubles. John 16, 33. He, he says, you're going to follow me. Better take up your cross. It's a life of sorrow and suffering. But it's the truth. And he's the way and the truth and the life. And so even if it means suffering and pain, I'd rather be with Jesus. The rocky soil, they received the word and they had it with joy. But then when the going got tough, it died. Friends, would you still follow Jesus even if life wasn't easy? A lot of times in American Christendom, we've lived under a pretty easy Christianity. But that's changing. Increasingly, we're in a more post-Christian world, a world that's more antagonistic to Christ. And that's not always going to be the case, that uh, it can be a plush thing to follow Jesus. And so what happens if you woke up tomorrow and it wasn't an easy thing to be a Christ follower anymore? Would you still follow Jesus Those who received the seed of the word of God on rocky soil, they didn't. And their faith died. The third group that we see is the word of God that fell among the thorns. There are those who hear it, but as they go on their way, they're choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life. And their fruit does not mature. They, they grow up in... Everything sprouts, but there isn't anything to show for it. There's no fruit. It's just been choked out by the life around them. I don't know if you've seen that before, but it's not too hard to look out at the church and to see those whose lives had received the word of God and maybe have grown up in the church, but their hearts have chased after other things. They're chased after the dream, the American dream in front of them that's ever-changing and ever further. There's always more thousands, more millions to make, more cabins to own, more vacations to be at, more money in the bank. And it never satisfies. And it always chokes out the faith that's there. So many times Jesus in the Gospels reminded his disciples that it's harder for uh, a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God than it is for a camel to go through an eye of a needle. It's hard for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God because the pleasures of this life and the world so easily entangle and surround them and it chokes out the faith that's there. How about for you today? Is the word of God finding a place in your heart or is it being choked out by the pleasures of this world? 
The last group of soil that's explained here in verse 15 is the good soil. It's those who hear it and they live by faith. They hold fast to it with an honest and good heart and they bear fruit with patience. Up to a hundredfold. The Word of God took root in their lives. And they held on to it. Nothing else mattered. We're, we're growing. We're going to produce fruit. It's our purpose. Friends, as you think about each of these different kinds of soil, the question that I have for you today is, which one are you? As God's Word comes, how is your life receiving it? Friends, I believe that God is sending out his word with a purpose. He desires faith in the lives of man. And my prayer, friends, is that you would be open to the word of God working in your life, that you would live by faith, that that you wouldn't reject it, that you wouldn't let Satan come and win the day, that, that you wouldn't cave under the pressures of life when the testing comes and when life is hard, that you wouldn't be consumed by this world and the pleasures of it, but that by God's grace, that you would receive the seed of the sower, the precious word of God, which is able to save your souls. That's my prayer for you today. And that it's God's desire that as he is extravagantly throwing out the seed of his word, the promise of salvation, that it wouldn't just fall on deaf ears and apathetic hearts. But they would fall on hearts that are saying, yes, I believe in the word of God. I am holding fast to these promises. And life may offer all types of things and Satan may assail me, but I am sticking with Jesus. Friends, may this be our confession. May this be our testimony today. That no matter what comes our way, that we're sticking with Jesus. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that it would find good soil here. I pray that you would do a work in the lives of these men and women, that it wouldn't just go in one year and out the other, but that you would work a transformative faith in their hearts, that they wouldn't be consumed with the world, with the passions of it, that they wouldn't be brought to a breaking point by the testing of life, that they wouldn't be dissuaded by the works of the devil, but Lord, that you would grow in them the seed of your word, that it would produce fruit by your spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We entrust these to you, the true farmer, the gardener of our souls, Lord Jesus, do this work in our midst, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to God's Word for today. If you are impacted by the message you heard, please consider donating to the Ministry of Living Word Lutheran Church by visiting www.livingwordaflc.org.